I love that feeling. I still get that, you know, every now and then when I, you know, when we're doing a sound check and you hear your drums like amplified over like this, it's like, uh, I still, it brings me back to that time when I was 17. I loved it. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. everyone, it's James. For this episode, I got to sit down with the prolific Al Diaz. Through his career, Al's been both an award-winning singer and highly sought-after drummer. We got to chat about his upbringing in Central Falls, what he did to teach himself to play music, and how he got to be in so many bands. Enjoy the episode, and please follow along on Facebook and Instagram at LivingRoomUTV to see some flyers and photos from Al's time in music. So it says on my notes here that you play in every band in Rhode Island. Is pretty, that correct? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And I just joined like a new band, but not playing drums. I'm actually going to be doing singing, backup vocals, as well as dancing, which is in the, the Winehouse Project. It's oh, cool. Yeah. How did you connect with them? So um, I actually, I've seen them twice. Uh, and and so, can you talk a little bit about what the Winehouse Project is? Oh, absolutely. So, so they're an Amy Winehouse tribute band, and, it's, and it, they just don't, you know, perform the music. They actually mm-hmm. put on the show. It's, you know, the, uh, the rest of the band is in full on black and white suits. They have the two dancers, the background singers. Yeah. And, uh, Lisa Kay, who is, who portrays the role of Amy. She looks just like Amy. She wears the wigs, mm-hmm. uh, the dress, the leopard, uh, pencil skirt and everything. And her voice is on point. As yeah. Well. Yeah. It's amazing. So, so they were actually, um, it was Christmas Eve. I had just gotten home from, uh, from being with my parents. Mm-hmm. And she actually sent me a text and she was like, Hey, something just came up. Do you, do you mind if I call you? I was like, and it was late at night. So I was like, Oh, geez. Yeah. So I called her up and she's like, listen, we have this showcase coming up in New York city. And mm-hmm. uh, one of our background singers decided she didn't want to do it anymore. So would you be up for the task? And I was like, uh, yes. Cause I absolutely love Amy Winehouse. I love her mm-hmm. music. So, but yeah, it's a kind of take it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Central Falls, Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, grew up there. Uh, been there. I was there pretty much my whole life yeah. until uh, mid, actually, to like 2012. Uh, that's when I did, moved to Warwick after that. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been pretty much, I pretty much grew up in, in Central Falls and that's where, uh, pretty much where I'm from. So Yeah. What yeah. was it, what, like what was your experience growing up? Oh, there. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was like the shy kid and, you know, growing up in Central Falls in like the late eighties mm-hmm. or early eighties, uh, early nineties, it was rough. You know, a lot of kids were rough and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the kind of kid who would, was always looking for trouble, but trouble was always finding me, you know? What yeah. I mean? So I, I, I absolutely hated growing up in Central Falls, but I also, you know, I had a lot of great times there because, you know, that's where most of my family's from. So. Mm-hmm. Um, every weekend I would go with my dad to his, um, his, like, uh, our family friend, they had like a local, like, uh, like a band. It was, they play, they play what we call Vallenato. Vallenato is like, uh, music from our homeland in Colombia. Okay. Yeah. So they had like, uh, they had like a little cool band that they'd play with every weekend. And, uh, Where would they do that? Right in the basement off of, on Pacific Street, which was right off Broad Street in Central Falls. Uh, near near city hall so okay yeah so every weekend it was a weekend thing and i go with my dad mm-hmm. and, uh, and i would just watch him play he used to play the uh, every now and then he'd either play the conga which is where i got my love for percussion yeah or he would play the uh well we call it like la, la guacharaca which is like uh i think it's called guero the yeah, yeah okay so, so he would keep time with that so so yeah that's awesome yeah so so that's really what kind of spurred your interest into percussion specifically or just music in general just or? music in general because yeah. i mean growing up growing up as a little kid my my parents had quite the array of uh of vinyl yeah. between salsa and vallenato my mom was more the vallenato vallenato is like kind of considered the um the country music of like in colombia and then salsa okay. was more the dancing upbeat rhythm so yeah yeah so that's where i got my love for both 
both mm-hmm. of that, both in music and then, uh, you know, growing up as a young kid in the eighties, around the 83, we ended up getting cable for the first time. So, uh, so then things changed because on top of that, you know, MTV came along and yeah. I instantly became obsessed. Really? Yeah. So, cause I, I love music to begin with, but then to actually see it on TV, that was, you know, for me, that was a, that was one of like a, like a, like, altering experience for me yeah so. you just really started to connect with all of that mm-hmm. absolutely um, yeah so yeah so when did you start playing music then uh when i first you know i've always wanted to it's so funny because one of those kids who had add so uh my parents wanted me to take accordion lessons and oh really yeah and, and the thing back in the day like i think it was around 84 85 um, there was like this accordion school in Pawtucket and basically the trade-off was like if you took so much time of accordion lessons after a while, they, uh, they would pitch in for the instrument of your choice. But I never, obviously at that time I wanted, I wanted, always wanted a pair a drum set, but yeah, that never happened because I just never, never picked up on the accordion. Yeah. It was just too much. Do you remember the name of the shop? Oh, God, I don't remember. I know it was on Mineral Spring Ave. I drive by it every day. It was actually, it was just a house. And I remember going there for my first lesson. I went there and I, I come walking in. It was, uh, it was set up like this. And there was two front, like those, a double parlor. Yeah, double yeah. parlor. So the first half was, you know, the teacher. And, all, and then you had like, I would say like four rows of chairs. And in those chairs, you just had kids with accordions. I'm like, oh my God. So, wow. But then after that, I would have to say that, um, I didn't, so around, yeah, my freshman year of high school, that's when, you know, I, that's when I first saw Nirvana mm-hmm. on TV. And that was, uh, I, again, I, I always wanted drums, but I could never afford drums. So, and when I saw that, I really, really wanted drums. So like I ended up, uh, getting my, I finally ended up getting my, my first drum set in like probably like 93 with my, with my paper route money. Okay. It, was like a, it was a $250 drum set. It was an old premiere. Yeah. With a 20 inch kick. It was like, it had that. And a cake, the guy bought, sold me the cymbal and the ride cymbal had like rivets in it. So I wish, I wish I'd ever gave that one away. So, <laughs> Cause I didn't know. Yeah. You know, when you're young, you don't really like, kind of like know the value of things. But, yeah. Yeah. I wish I still held on to that drum set. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, but were you just teaching yourself from the music you were listening to? Yeah, I've never taken a lesson before. So basically, I would watch... That's when MTV came into play. I would watch... I, I had a... You know, I could pick up any beat. And then I would look at the, the drummer and I'd really... I, I noticed that at a young age, when I'd be listening to, to things, I would break, you know, certain instruments down. I was like, okay, I could hear the bass doing this. Mm-hmm. I could hear the drums doing this. I could hear the bass drum doing that. And that's when I really started visually concentrating on things I was like all right I see what this drummer's doing he's he has his right hand over here hitting this symbol at the time I didn't know what it was yeah so, the hi-hat so and that's how I kind of taught myself how to play the drums yeah yeah with your upbringing in Central Falls and yeah. uh Colombian family and stuff like that like was it a conscious decision to to not play that music or uh no, it was just tough because at that, uh, at that time I didn't, uh, I couldn't find any players that would want to play that kind of music. But, okay. Uh, but it was because, you know, I was born in Colombia in, in, in 76 and, you know, I came here in 78. So it was, a, it was quite the transition because, um, I was a young kid and I barely knew how to speak Spanish and I barely knew how to you know, speak English. So that was, that was tough. So that's why. Yeah. You know, I think because of it, I, I ended up getting a, like somewhat of a learning disability. So it takes me a little while to get things, but, uh, but I think that's the other reason why I became so animated because I watch so much television. Yeah. But I mean, as far as becoming, I would have to say I became Americanized because super Americanized because, um, we moved, our first house was next to a, a Vietnam vet bar. And I just remember, I remember hearing there was a great jukebox there and you would hear like, I would hear like, uh, you know, like, like the old, like, uh, like sixties hits and seventies hits. And I was like, I remember hearing Creedence Clearwater Revival and the doors going. Cause you know, during the summertime, they keep the windows open and yeah. they party late. 
and that's where my love for that music. That's where I started picking up on that music. I was like, wow, this is this is really great. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I would have to say that's where uh, that's where my love for music started. Is that little uh, Vietnam vet bar, which is now a Colombian uh, <laughs> a Colombian salsa bar there called La Taberna. Wow. Okay. And yeah. So yeah. So it's 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 changed quite a bit. It's still there, but it's it's not what it used to be. It was more of a a Vietnam slash biker bar. And yeah. I, and I miss that. I miss that old jukebox. That's where my, my love for that kind of music definitely started, uh, you know, coming in more. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And were you going to shows locally at that time or? At that time, yeah. The first show I, w- I ever went to locally, I would have to say it was like, it was 1991 at what is now or was Jerky's. It used, to, it used to be the original AS220, I guess, yeah, in that yeah, area. Street, yeah. yeah, and I went to go see a local band called Haystack Calhoun. They were a three-piece band, and I just remember being blown away. I was, uh, I was also I went with a couple of other friends, uh, my friend Mikey Ferreira who played guitar, and my friend Ryan Angulo who played bass. We kind of like joined. We made a. We were like the first ones in our class to like do this little, you know alternative trio who really yeah. wanted to be Nirvana. So at that time, like everybody wanted to be Nirvana. Yeah. You either had like a, a you know, a power trio or, or that was it. So yeah, no room for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing too. Yeah. It was like a, a basically a Nirvana cover band that we did some originals that sounded exactly like Nirvana. Right. Like, yeah. That's what you did. You know, yeah. Like, so. But it was funny because we also had a love for like old 60s music. We loved the doors. We loved uh, Jimi Hendrix. So like, and it's funny because when we when we first got together, we all we played was Gloria, but the Jimi Hendrix version, and we would play that for like literally hours, wow, okay. over and over again. And we just improvised everything. It just got like super, you know, super monotonous. But it was fun, you know. <laughs> when you're young, you don't care. That age, yeah, you know? yeah. So, so you started a band with those other two guys. Mm-hmm. What was the name of that band? That um, so we we went through a bunch of names. It was. Al and Los Huevos Rancheros, and then towards the end, like when we finally became seniors and we played our first shows at the, which was at the living room in 95, it became uh, Cool Whip Cowboy. Okay. Yeah, it was funny because all our songs were about food for some reason. Like Cool Whip Cowboy, we had um, Jesus Wears Corduroys While Eating Candy Bars or something like that. They're all these absurd, like, names but it was yeah yeah it was fun it was fun and it was kind of grunge rock stuff or well at that time it had progressed into something a little bit different it was more like kind of um, i wouldn't say novelty novelty music but it kind of was it was just funny funny music we didn't take yeah. ourselves seriously so yeah okay yeah. that's yeah. cool how was that experience in playing at the living room oh man that was fun so the first time i'd ever stepped foot into the living room was hilarious because like you know, I, that was that was our first time. So it was the summer of '95. We had just graduated high school. We had gotten our first show there, and I just remember the that smell, like when you first walk into the <laughs> living room. It's just like piss and and like stale beer. Yeah, yeah. But it was so much fun. Like I remember, like you know, I had never done a sound check before. So you know, I'm setting up my drums, and the sound guys like kick. Like he's, you know, he's on yeah. a kick, and I'm like, what's a kick? Yeah, like, yeah. Because I so didn't. What do you want me to kick? You want me to kick something? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, I was such an idiot. So I, I'm looking at, um, it's like, so I'm going like this, and my guitar, my guitarist goes, dude, your bass drum just hit your bass. It's like, oh, boom. yeah, yeah. So I'm testing <laughs> out the sound, and, and but it was cool because we were all the same age, and mm-hmm. and when he told us to like play a full song just to hear how the sound, like that first time you ever hear like. Your music amplified over. Yeah. It is like it's like oh my god. So I love that feeling. I still get that you know every now and then when I you know when we're doing a sound check and you hear your drums like amplified over like this. It's like uh, I still it brings me back to that time when I was seventeen. I loved it so so great. Yeah, that's one thing like I that I love it. That feeling never goes away no matter what. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I still get it at forty three. Yeah, forty three. <laughs> <laughs> and how often were you playing? that band um so we did a couple um we didn't really get serious because you know a lot of us a lot of us after that we went to college so yeah you know we kind of like went our separate ways my friend ryan went to become like a cook in new york he was 
He's still there, apparently. I haven't spoken with him in years because, you know, his friends drift apart and, you know, we have our different lives. But it seems like I'm the only one who's ever, never stopped playing music, no matter what. Okay. Yeah, but as far as, like, yeah, we never really played ever again, so. Yeah. Yeah, after that, I would have to say, like, the next time I played in a band was this, uh, back in, like, 98, or was it 96, 96, sorry, 96. I ended up meeting with these guys called Lucid, and uh, they needed a singer, and that was more that was more like on the heavy side. So that was like a, a cross between like Rush and like uh, like Dave Matthews and Iron Maiden. It was like it was such a weird mix. It was like a progressive, like I know it was like these all these combinations. Oh, and Incubus because Incubus had just dropped Science, and yeah. we were so like heavily influenced by that. So like I'd like gone through like every I played like every genre of music because you know, you know I, I loved I just love music so I was like I'll give that a try yeah so yeah but how did you kind of maneuver through that stuff if you haven't um, like taken lessons like like singing and stuff like that well that's yeah that's the thing my story is going to go back and forth because yeah. through the years I have gone from a lead singer to a drummer back to a lead singer so yeah. so with Lucid I sang with them and I did a so I did we did a couple of albums we did, uh, and we played the living room a lot because we didn't really, we were still young at the time, so we didn't know anything about like touring or any, anything like yeah. that. So we just kept it local all the time. So, but know. did it just seem to come naturally, like singing to you, or did you um, ever like train with anyone, or not even like an official sense? But did you have like a, I, a family I, member that kind of taught you how to sing? Or like that, or? No, not really. Well, my mom has a really good voice. Uh, my dad would, you know, he's more like the 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 instrument player, but my mom has a really mm-hmm. good voice. So I'd hear her sing. So, uh, but you know, I would I would just listen to the records and just like you know, I would hit the note and feel the notes. Like, oh, I can do this. I can. It's weird. I never like. I just it, it music always came naturally to me. I was like, oh man, mm-hmm. I, I can do this. So I just you know kept doing it. Yeah. But as far as like actually you know taking like the, the only time I ever took a lesson was um, my freshman or sophomore year of college uh there was this teacher at ccri her name was susan i think her name was susan rogers and i did a couple of uh probably just a year of vocal training with her so she taught me how to breathe right and, okay yeah yeah and, uh, you know how to because there's you know you have to position your mouth like a certain way like and she taught me how to like she would tell me the difference like sing a song you know Stretch your mouth yeah, out. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Like, instead of, eh, it's like, it sounds better, like, you know, more resonance and stuff like that. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, so she was pretty cool, like, but yeah, so, uh, so it's, in, in my life, it's been between, like, singing and drumming, mm-hmm. singing and drumming, and a little bit of, uh, guitar playing. Yeah. Um, so that, that, uh, that came when my mom, um, bought me my first guitar, I would say. In my mid thirties, like I, I must have been like thirty. I think it was thirty three. On my thirty third birthday, she ended up getting my. So I was a late bloomer when it came to like actually picking up the guitar. So. Yeah, and you just, did you start writing songs at that time? Yeah, yeah. So I, what I would do is like I would just write, just you know, I just go between F and G, F and G, F and G, just a bar chord, like, and I would and I would just go back and forth, and then I picked up this this little chord book that, you know, it showed you where to put your fingers and such. Cause mm-hmm. I, I never, t- I'm all the instruments that I played, I've never taken a lesson. I just, you know, at that time there wasn't a YouTube. So that was my YouTube, that little chord book, which I still have. And, you know, every, if I want to like look for a new chord, I just look on, it's like, place your fingers here, place your fingers there. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's how, so I pretty much taught myself. So that sometimes like when, you know, you know, really trained, really well trained musicians are talking to me. Like my brain gets, you know, it just goes sideways because I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. So I do everything backwards. So. Yeah, I can <laughs> fully identify with that. I, mm-hmm. I, it's yeah, it's a weird place to be because I, I've, I've been playing music, been playing drums for twenty five years. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, understand the skill that I have with it, but I cannot talk about it at all. The the language and the jargon is just not it, yeah me you know but, no, uh, I know it's all about it doesn't f- stop people like you and I from exactly music. Yeah, so. exactly exactly you know I find a way so we find a way yeah yeah so baby baby oh 
So yeah, where did uh, where did you go from from Lucid in, back in '98? Where you uh, did you start another band? Yeah. Shortly after that. So shortly after that, um, I entered. It, that stopped because I I went to New England Tech because I took a, I took some time off after that because I didn't know what I wanted to do in life, and I was just you know I was just taking general courses at CCRI, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do, so I took some mm-hmm. time off. I also took some time off from the music too, but around like 2000, um, I met up with these guys, um, and they were called GTA. And from there, it was funny because the way it happened is like I was hanging out with my friend Pete on, at my my kitchen table, and I was like, you know, I really want to be in a band again. And all I did was I made a flyer, and it was a it was a handwritten flyer. And it said, so at that time, you know, early 2000s, it was all about System of a Down and this and that and corn. <laughs> so I wanted to, I wanted to be a drummer, like, uh, you know, Rage Against the Machine type funky drummer. Yeah. So I ended up, I just put two, um, two handwritten things, uh, two handwritten notes or, or flyers that said, I put, I forgot where, I, I know I put one of them on Bear Street. The other one, I don't remember where I put it, but. My friend who ended up, you know, I ended up being in a band with his name was George Mackin. He, uh, he found the flyers like, Hey man, I heard you, you know, you're looking for, uh, you're looking for a band. And, uh, you know, we play like Rage Against the Machine type stuff and Static X. Like, Oh man. Yeah. So, well, actually the first call I got was this guy like, and he was like, Hey man, it was like a metal guy, but he was really proggy. <laughs> and he, he gave me a question. He was like, can you play this kind of beat? And I forgot. It was like a, some odd time signature. I was like, I don't know what that is. I, I just know how to play drums. I was like, oh, okay, never mind. So he just hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of like, all right, I get it. But then George was, he called me up and he was, um, he, he was like, Hey man, do you want to be in like our band? We're starting like a system of a down type rage against the machine type, type of deal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that band was called GTA, and that band was based out of Johnston, right off of, um, I drive by the house every time, because we, two years, for two years straight, that, that is where, like, that's where I met my, my ex-wife, who's the mother of my kid, but that's where, mm-hmm. that's where, like, I met all my, that's where, like, I really started the, the, like, my musical roots in Providence, as far as that, because, you know, we really, George, the, the guitarist, he really like, he was good at, at, uh, networking. So, mm-hmm. you know, we made it, we weren't the greatest band in the world, but you know, the way we marketed ourselves and like, we would always advertise like beer, uh, keg parties after the, after the shows and all the bands, like whether they be from Mass or wherever, they would come to our house in Johnson and it was just, you know, it was just ridiculous, um, debauchery that was like those were the that's what i called the debauchery times there was a okay. lot of heavy drinking but uh i still remember our first show at the living room and uh and randy got rest his soul so my, our lead singer he was like hey man if you guys want to come to a party afterwards like we're gonna be playing we're gonna we're gonna everybody here can right after our second come to the uh to our keg party like right after the show and like that was our first, uh, that was the first time I'd ever seen Randy get super pissed. Cause obviously like, you know, everybody left. So we kind of, you know, we screwed Randy over and Randy was like, Oh, what, is, what are you doing? And he's <laughs> like, man, it's like, like I get you this show and like you telling people to come here. I was like, oh. and that's when I realized I wasn't thinking at the time. I was like, Randy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But that we actually ended up after that, you know, I, I was like, Dave, you can't do that, man. We can't like invite people at like immediately to our house after. After a show, while there's still patrons here, man, that's just not the way you do it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but we were young and dumb, so yeah, yeah. But that that band was that band was cool. So you know, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a uh, we had a keg party one year. It was called the the April Fools' Keg Party, and 
it was supposed to be like an April, you know, an April, you didn't know whether it was a, you know, was going to be a keg party or not, but mm-hmm. you know, we ended up about 500 people ended up showing up out up in that little apartment, and we had like <laughs> eight bands play, and the cops finally showed up because it was on. It was weird. It was on the, it was on the Johnston, Johnson. It was on the Johnson Cranston line. So you had the cops were waiting on the other side. Uh, the other side of the street, because that's what divided the, the cities, and they were, yeah. and I just remember they just came barging in, like everybody out. Yeah. So a couple of young, like young kids stole one of our kegs and just split. And so, <laughs> well, yeah. do you remember any of the other bands that played that night? Uh yeah, it was. Uh, so it, one of the bands that we ended up meeting was Face Called Hate, which I'm not sure. Do you know Nick Eden? He's the, name sounds familiar. Yeah, right. he's the drummer in um, the Cohogs. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's the long hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, that's where I met him for the first time. Uh, that's where our friendship started. So we had, uh, there was a band called Donnybrook. They were from Maine. Oh, yeah. 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 Ended up becoming Red Cloud Revival. They actually ended up doing really well in Rhode Island. Um, they said the reason they moved down to Rhode Island was because, or Providence, they said specifically Providence is because, you know, the only bands that, that would go up to Maine were bands from Providence. And they, they decided, you know, they, they were, they were trying to get, you know, down here and try to get their career started, which they actually did. They ended up recording with like some pretty well-known producers after that. But, uh, they came down to Providence because of Kilgore and Shed. You yep. remember those bands? I do. Yeah. 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 So they, they came down because of, uh, because, you know, Providence, Showed some love mm-hmm. to Maine, so the Mainers became, you know, Providence people. So, yeah, yeah no, it was it was a great time, and and a lot of those bands, obviously, we met through uh, through the living room too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that so that band GTA lasted for about um, 2000 to about 2002. Um, so then after that, after that, it kind of slowed down because 2002, uh, my first daughter was born. So uh, uh-huh. yeah, so I became the family man. But, uh, I had to pump the brakes on that. So, yeah, yeah. But then um, for after that, 2003, then Canerco came along. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you know about Canerco? Yeah. Yeah. So Canerco, that was just, so that's when my drumming really took a backseat because from 2003 to 2012, when we split up, that was just full on, just, uh, me on, on, uh, as a front man. So yeah. And that was, that band was a lot of fun. The living room was, was our home. That's where we would always play, mm-hmm. you know, all our shows. And with that band, that was great because, because Randy loved us, you know, we were all, uh, you know, we, we loved Randy and it was just like, um, you know, it was great. That's, we got to open up for a lot of great bands there. We got to open up for Nonpoint, uh, Seamless, The Sword. It was, it was great. Trivium. Um, so a lot yeah. of great shows, but it was cool because it was, it was funny because like we, we'd always get put on these metal acts and we weren't like really metal. We were more like, uh, more like on the clutch side, clutch and like, um, Corrosion of conformity, like that southerny style, like rock. Yeah. But we'd always get put on these metal shows, and I remember one time we played for like a super metal. We opened up for a metal act, and they were. It was a band called Trivium, and they they'd been around. They were established. They were from Florida, and it's funny because I still see their album. The other day, I was like at Barrington and Books, and I was at my daughter's. Like I was looking, I was like, "Hey, girls, Daddy's band opened up for these guys." And you know, typical teenagers are like, "Oh, that's great," and then they start they go back to texting. <laughs> But yeah, no, so I told them, and uh, it was funny because we, we opened up for them, and I just remember we like, we just ripped that set, but nobody moved because they were just, you know, they wanted like full on like, screamo, like, yeah. We were, and that was more like the singing, kind of like uh, the hard rock, like, yeah. Not like screaming, but like, you know, really like uh, forceful, like, like really like, oh. I don't know, yeah. I can't explain it, so. Struggles of pain is the heartache you feel. 
So over the years, it just, you know, it ended up getting better with that band, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up going to Kosovo, playing for the troops. Uh, so oh, really? Was, yeah, that was a good How time. Did that, how did that come about? So basically, um, there was this band from uh, Northern Mass called Birch Hill Dam, and they were originally supposed to go on that USO tour in Kosovo, but uh, they couldn't make it, so they offered it to us. So mm-hmm. we, we took it, and it was like, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life, of our lives, musically, you know? Yeah. Uh, to play for the troops and you know they were like super thankful that we were there it was it was, it was great man it was absolutely yeah. awesome man. like so, yeah. yeah it sounds like just a pretty tremendous uh like experience and something that just you know doesn't yeah come around so, absolutely man or it doesn't seem to be too often you know? right so we we took that we we had to take that yeah anything else that you want to bring up about that band? I mean, I know you did some music videos and stuff like that. Did you ever get any traction with that? Or We did. We actually did. You know, it's funny because I don't, man, there's this like former A&R guy that works at where I work right now. And he actually came up to me at the Christmas party. He was like, Hey man, I just found out you were in Canerco when I was in, you know, when I was in LA, um, you know, I was an A&R guy in LA and I remember someone had, had told me to, someone had put me on your radar, but I remember just, I, I, I saw you guys, I love you guys, but at the time nobody was looking for rock bands. So like I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I was like, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause at that time we were like, you know, everybody was doing like, uh, kind of the pop music thing. So we were just, you know, we were the, we were the redheaded stepchild, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, and where do you work now? I work at a company called In Music Brands in Cumberland, so we do, uh, you know, I do support for, uh, for Akai and other products like Ham Audio. Nice. So yeah, you do a lot of like DJ stuff or speakers. Yeah, exactly. And... So there's auto speakers, DJ equipment, stuff like that. So it's pretty cool, man. So like my whole life at this point is just revolves around music, yeah. so, which is where I have always wanted it to be. Yeah. So I was looking for a job because I just got let go from it last job and uh so uh, my friend my brother's friend who works there um, he had gone up with us to my brother's bachelor party in montreal and coming back he knew i i needed a job desperately because my unemployment was going to run out mm-hmm. and i was like hey dude do you uh have a have a notice like your job is hiring he's like yeah yeah so he gave me the he texted me the number of uh the hiring boss and it's funny because the hiring boss ended up being uh, Joe Principe, oh, the, yeah. the bass player from Eric and the Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I show up in my suit and I'm like, and I'm thinking, I was like, okay, I wonder if this is Joe Principe because I knew of him. I was like, where's this Joe Principe from Eric and the Nothing? So I'm like, <laughs> I mean, there can, there can only be one Joe Principe. So he comes walking and he's like, oh man, I know you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool. I got that job. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. It's been it's been a good. It's, I've been there a year and a half now, so it's been pretty cool. I love I love the job. So yeah, yeah. It's like some of your music knowledge come into effect there, or is it more just businessy kind of stuff? No, it's it's pretty cool. It's actually teaching me about like uh, something that I've never like MIDI controllers. I've never like dove into that area. So okay, you know, obviously uh, DJ controllers. I've never done that it's like before. New York, right. Like, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a bunch of brands. So it's yeah. like Newmark, Akai, M Audio, Alto, uh, a lot of great stuff in there. Elise's drums, which is what, what, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cool. It's, it's cool stuff. So yeah. So my uh, you know my drum nerdiness comes out and comes to Elise's drum stuff. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool that you, you know able to do that now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun, man. So uh-huh. yeah. So going back, yeah. Uh, so Canerco ended in 2012, and uh, a lot of things ended in 2012. So that's that was kind of like a turning point there. So Canerco ended in 2012, and so did my marriage. <laughs> so two oh, things, that, yeah. So two things ended ended there. So I was like, I was like super depressed. So and so was Nick. I remember Nick just being like super the depressed. Drummer the, the drummer of the band, yeah. So I remember my friend Joe Farrow, who um, ended up being. Uh, it was a DJ at WBOB, uh, 990 WBOB. Uh, he ended up, um, he knew I was down in the dumps and he knew I wanted to get back into music, but I wasn't ready to sing. I wanted to do drums again at that point. I didn't want to be a lead singer. I was like done with it. So I wanted to be more drums. And, uh, you know, obviously I didn't 
I didn't want to dwell and be sad because I was sad because, you know, two major things that I had. It was funny because Canerco and my marriage both started at the same time and ended it and ended wow. at the same time. We had 2004 to 2012. So, so after that, you know, um, and Joe was like, Hey man, you want to, we're doing like an open mic kind of a thing. Like actually it wasn't an open mic. It was like a feature kind of a thing where, you know, bands would show up and, um, where was that? It was at the Met. So they were doing okay. like, it was something called Mondays on, on Blast. So they would feature like, you know, local artists. And I remember I went there and, uh, Nick came that night and he told me that he had gotten in a band called Viking Jesus, which is Chris Hansen's band. So, mm-hmm. and, um, and I told, cause he was ready to quit. And I was like, dude, you're way too talented to just quit, man. Just keep freaking going. Just, and I told him, I remember I told him, Try to drum for as many bands as you can. Just keep yourself busy. You can't quit. Cause he was ready to sell his drums. Like, you can't do that, man. You're, that, that'd be a, a travesty if you, if you stop playing. You're, you're a ridiculous drummer. You need to keep going. And it was funny cause he, I think he literally took, he took my, uh, my advice cause he, after that, he was in like three or four bands after that, which is, oh. which is kind of like where I'm at right now. So yeah. So yeah, after that, I remember, I remember I saw a singer songwriter at the time. Her, her name was Tammy LaForest, mm-hmm. who we ended up becoming in the, uh, that's how, that's how my, how we started the Dutch Ruffles shortly after that. So that was my introduction, uh, to drumming again was with okay. the Dutch Ruffles. And then, uh, and how would you describe that music? Um, so that music was like, um, it's very poppy, poppy, yeah. like, uh, or, Sometimes there'd be three part harmony, four part harmony. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was, that was a cool band. Around that same time, so I joined. I ended up joining a lot of bands. So like they were just kind of overlapping. Yeah, they were kind of overlapping. But so after that, I, be, I ended up joining uh, Pistol Shot Gypsy, which was uh, which was more like a Guns N' Roses type band. And I, this was from here on out. This is all drumming, mm-hmm. and you know that was that was a great band. It was cool because all the bands that I ended up joining were 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 different at the time. You know? Yeah. You had your poppy, and then you had like your Guns N' Roses type, you know, type rock, like that bluesy, really dirty, dirty rock, which I I love. So, mm-hmm. so that uh, so it kind of like you know it kept my it was cool because it kept my my I guess chops. You know, <laughs> it, would, it would test my chops. And you have to call it that. There's no yeah. other word. Yeah, <laughs> chops. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, after that, um, I forgot what band I joined after. Oh, so I oh yeah, it's funny because. So at that time, it was just those two bands I was in. And I remember around 2012, that's when I first saw this band at the Met. And cause I was, I was just going to shows. I was trying to get in, you know, my, just my name in there just to try to like join other bands. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first saw Consuelo's Revenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember falling in love with them. I was like, man, I want to be in this band one day. And it's funny cause like, you know, four years after, I think it was either 2016 or 2017, Ian sent me a message and, and I was like, Hey man, John, uh, I was no longer with the group. Do you want to join? And I was like, I just remember I showed my girlfriend. I was like, Hey, what do you think? He's like, you have to join right now. <laughs> Cause that was her favorite. That was our favorite local group. So yeah. So that, you know, when it comes to, the, I, I can't say like, I don't have like a favorite type of uh, favorite group, but you know, any that 
is just, I love playing with them because the music, the drumming and just the dynamics and the stop and goes that I love that. It's like, yeah, it's like, like it pushes you a little bit. Yeah. It pushes it? me a little bit more. It's like yeah. trying, uh, it's like trying to balance yourself on a, on a tightrope while moving at a hundred miles an hour. It's that like, it's like, Oh my God. It's like, okay. yeah, it's like, that's the only way I can describe it. It's like the anxiety is high, but in a good way. <laughs> That's yeah. a, a larger band too, right? Or is it yeah. Like, so how's that playing? With that's band awesome. Members? Yeah. It is. It is. Especially with such, with the players that I'm playing with. You know, they're such great. You know, uh, musicians as far as their craft goes. You know, everybody's on point. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Kirk who plays. You know, not, he can go from from dirty leads to go to play the accordion. You got Matt, who's awesome saxophonist. Alicia on, um, on fiddle and her fiddling, like, you know, when she goes into that solo, that's, that's ridiculous. It's like, I yeah. love that. I love, you know, I love being able to like sit back and just watch all these like players do their thing. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then Amanda's, you know, her voice is, I love her voice. Yeah. She's yeah. all over the place. So, yeah. And is that music described more like Americana y or is it? Yeah. Um, that's, you've been, nominated for that i don't know if that's just the, the default yeah thing. i know the <laughs> um, it's we still kind of play like kind of like that americana type sound but it's kind of like progressed into a more uh like there's one there's this one song because we've added uh nick smith who was the original lead singer um lead um strummer on the acoustic guitar where uh he left because he went he i think he took a teaching job or something like that I okay. forgot what it was. So we ended up getting um, Chris Van Boobie, who's an amazing, amazing like singer, mm-hmm. songwriter. So uh, we've gone on like this like crazy like klezmer style, like oh, okay. yeah. So it's it's pretty awesome. Like we actually have a song called Cosmic Klezmer, yeah, which is all over the place. It's like this ridiculous like uh, stop and go action, and it and it just like at the end it's just like a big climax and I, I love it because every time we play that song people at the end are just like wow so it's like, <laughs> yeah so yeah we've uh, we're, we're kind of like branching out to different different types of music so okay and that's what that's what i love because it keeps it fresh you know it doesn't it never gets stale it never gets boring so yeah and then i love that and you guys stay pretty busy too right you play quite yeah. often and yeah absolutely like right now uh we're trying i know we've been saying this for the past couple of years but we're, we're trying to get like the the latest album because we definitely have enough songs uh-huh. to make an album so it's just uh just finding the time you know because yeah. everybody's busy with other other projects so especially when you got that many band members and everybody's doing their own thing it's you know trying to uh get a date nailed down sometimes yeah. that can be a little tedious but yeah. uh but you know it, it doesn't matter because we still have fun regardless playing these shows and so far, the shows, we've played less shows, but the shows that we decided to play, they've been really, really beneficial for us in, in the way where we've garnered like a new audience because, uh, there were a couple of shows we played down in South County and we, we hardly ever played down there. And yeah. the shows that we did get there, it just really, like, people really dug us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so towards the end of the summer, we played the, uh, the Warren Folk Festival. That was awesome because I didn't realize there were going to be that many people there that. There were so many people there that I was having like a panic attack. So, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. So you still get uh, like panic attacks or oh, you know, intimidated? Uh, by absolutely, yeah. That that that'll probably never go away. It like it's it's funny because I'm shaking until I hit that first note and then it's gone. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird. I I can never shake it no matter what. But yeah, uh, but I love that feeling. It's a, it's a good panic attack or a good. Yeah, like that kind of anxiety. Yeah, like, like, uh, let's get this going. Energy, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah.
again Everybody knows the plague must be removed the devil walks in a tailored suit All fall down Where have you recorded in, in Rhode Island? Have you oh yeah been so to any studios here? Yeah, absolutely. So I've uh, a couple of couple of my bands have um, Sex Coffee, Pistol Shot Gypsy, and the Dust Ruffles. Uh, we've recorded at um, at Galilee uh, Studios, which is uh, George Dussault Studio mm-hmm. in, uh, in Cumberland. And, uh, it's such <laughs> it's so cool because it's just you know it's out in the middle of nowhere, so it's just a little house, and you enter in and. Then so he's got his drums there. He's got his his little studio. But uh, man, that that he knows. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great studio. It makes you feel at home. You know. He, he doesn't uh, he he doesn't intimidate you, man. He he's rela- he relaxes you because you know. I'm for me recording is a nightmare because you know the metronome is not my <laughs> you know it's not my greatest friend because I tend to speed things up a little bit so yeah especially that's when my anxiety so you know but he just tells me to just relax so try to so usually it's just uh, he calms me down after that so. <laughs> yeah yeah I've never been able to do it to be honest I just no it kind of takes away a lot of the feel exactly me, yeah. so I've, Maybe my albums suck, but I don't know. <laughs> like the, the drums are off just a little bit, but yeah. I'd rather have them be off a little bit than like have this like exactly. metronome in my headphones. Yeah, so, it's but. tough, man. It's tough. That's when it's like, Frick. yeah, yeah. It always happens like when I finish a fill, it's like, oh crap, I'm off. So, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, where did uh, Canerco do their album? Oh, so Canerco, we recorded in. Uh, Recorded with Pete Rucho in uh, Fitchburg, Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Okay. We did both of our albums. Actually, we did uh, so all together. We did four albums. We did a like a seven song kind of like a, I guess I guess that's an EP. No, <laughs> I don't know seven song. Well, it had eight songs, but the, we couldn't. Uh, the eighth song was um, a hidden track because it was. For some reason, the record come or like the they wouldn't let us put it on there. I forgot the disc makers. It was Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a hidden hidden track, but uh, we recorded that with Joe Moody, uh, the late great Joe Moody, God rest his soul. Um, yeah. At Danger Studios, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, that was in 2004, and then we recorded like a three song EP with um, in Brooklyn, New York, in 2006 with. Um, Joey Z, who is the guitarist of Life of Agony, mm-hmm. um, that was fun. That was that was pretty cool. So it was like, uh, and then the last two albums of those big albums that we have, the, uh, the full length ones, those were recorded with Pete Rucho, and those were those were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were a lot a lot of fun. Yeah, actually, no, the last album we did with Canerco, that was actually Pete came to us, so he had his mobile studio, and we because we love the first Pete Rucho album, but. It was, um, you know, it sounded great, but it didn't capture what we were as a band, but the sound, the Canerco sound. So we wanted more like that gritty, you know, the, the basement sound, like mm-hmm. this is us. And that's on the second album. That's what we got. It was, he came to us, he recorded at our practice space and. It was, it's probably one of my favorite Canerco albums of all time. I, I still listen to that album and cause it, it was us, we were comfortable when we recorded it and, and that's what we have right there. And there wasn't, there wasn't like these big, like, you know, echoey effects. It was just like kind of like almost dry. The drums were dry. You know, the vocals were dry, just gritty. That's what we wanted. Yeah. yeah. Where was your practice space? Barrington. Yeah, okay. Barrington, Rhode Island. I know it's like gritty Barrington. Yeah, <laughs> we did this like crazy metal album in Barrington. I know, <laughs> total opposite. I had like super long hair and black everything. And Barrington, Barrington. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was like the mean streets of Barrington. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was a great time. I, you know, I miss playing with those guys. We we recently got together for a couple of practices, but you know, you know, we got we have families and a couple of us are in a crap load of bands, so. You know, yeah. 
But yeah, hopefully one day we'll uh, we'll do a reunion. So hope, hope that'd be great. Knock on wood. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are there any other bands that I'm missing uh, that you want to talk about? Or see, yeah, we talked about. I think we talked about Sex Coffee. Sex Coffee is like. Uh, oh, you just yeah briefly mentioned that, but yeah, what's yeah? So Sex Coffee's been around a long, long time. So they've been around since uh, I believe 2005. Okay. So I'm. I think I believe. I believe I'm like their fifth or sixth drummer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I joined with them. I think it was in 2016. So, and that's a pretty cool band. That's uh, it's it's pretty much the, the main singer songwriters are Charlene Donardo who plays bass and Ruth Charbonneau who is the lead singer. So those, they're they're the core. When it comes to Sex Coffee, it's always been them too. So they're they're yeah. they're amazing, you know. They're amazing to write with. So it's uh it's 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 more like that '90s alt, uh, like Alanis Morissette, like dark meets like uh, Seether. It's kind of like that uh, like that alternative dark yeah, '90s okay. sound. Yeah, good stuff with them. Yeah. So we're actually going to be heading into the studio with George Dussel, uh sometime in February, either June, January or February, to just record uh, one song, just a single. So. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be called, uh, Rest in Peace. All right. Or is that called it? Rest in Pieces? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So. And, uh, where do you play with them? Uh, at Roots House in, uh, in Johnson. So yeah. we, uh, every Sunday we get over, we go over there and, uh, just go through a set and any new ideas, any new covers we have, we'll just, uh, play and just, uh, you know, just have a good time. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Also playing one of my personal favorite bands. So how did you connect with the Benjis? Ah, yes, the Benjis. I love the guys. Phil and Marissa. Yes. So that was cool because um, so the Dust Ruffles. We played at PBD Fest, PBD 2018, and the Benjis were on after us. So mm-hmm. you know we played a set, and then I just remember. Um, I just remember, like, Marissa, like, God, you guys were great. Because, you know, Marissa's really super bubbly and friendly. She's like, you guys were great. That's awesome. Like, so we ended up, you know, just talking and meeting there. And um, I forgot. I think it was around, I think it was a couple of weeks after that, my girlfriend and I went to go see a show uh, at the now, well, the defunct shelter. Uh, which was the video arcade place where yeah. people would play shows. So we went to see Eric and the Nothing they were playing there that night. And Marissa and Phil end up walking in and she's like, Hey, aren't you Al and the Dust Ruffles? Like, yeah, it's like, cool. So, so we went home and later on that night she ended up hitting me up. She's like, Hey, would you want to play? Um, it's funny because I always, people like, they always hit me up on Facebook like, Hey, would you want to play in this band with us? Cause our, you know, our drummer's leaving. So yeah. So, yes, I was like, and I listened to their stuff and I absolutely fell in love. You know, I, I, you know, they, I, re- I listened to the first album and they're just great songwriters. Like the, the songs that they write are so catchy. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to, I want to be in this band. So, so I, you know, uh, that's how, that's how that happened. So this summer of August of 2018, we played our first show at dusk together and it was, um, ever since then. It's, I've been uh, with them, so. Cool. Yeah. And what do you have playing with them? Do you have, uh. 
Yeah, so right now, uh, I've had to miss a couple of shows with them because uh, I was either out of town or I already had a, um, another show with another band. But Yeah. Uh, but uh, our next show is going to be, I think, sometime in February, which is going to be Marissa's birthday at, at the Newtons. Yes. Marissa's birthday around February 5th. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's, yep, so that's when, uh, ooh, that's when the shit, it's a Wednesday, yeah. That's our next show, so I'm looking forward to that, because I haven't played with them in, in forever, so. Cool. Who else is on that show? Because I'm look. sure it's going to be a party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me look this up for you quickly, because I want to, aha, Marissa's birthday romp. Here it is. Yep, February 5th at the news, and it's going to be the Joy Boys, Fine, Tree People, oh, nice, and Artist Jackie, and Beat Company, nice. and yeah, so that's, wow, it's going to be an awesome show. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. So, yeah, so that's gonna be a good time. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played with you guys. Uh, yeah. At the uh, was it at the parlor? It was at the parlor. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Is that the flyer with the uh, the Jeep Wagoneer on it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I still have that flyer. Oh, you do? Cool. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I, that's like one of my favorite flyers. Man. <laughs> did you design that? I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, with Umbrellaco, they just kind of gave me a little bit of. Uh, space to do some more design nice. even though like chris who's the bass player is a much better artist like he <laughs> teaches art and yeah um and all this other stuff that we're just like oh, we'll do like he's like, does like video like a uh, ton of video work he's just way more talented than me but they're like james if you want to do the flyers i'll do them so, i loved it man. Uh, i loved it that's seriously one of my favorite flyers i i use it as a i have a the big one the full-length one and i have the a small one that i use as a as a bookmark Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love it. I'll never get rid of that fly. It's like my favorite. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That means yeah. a lot. Good stuff. Um, what would you say is your greatest musical accomplishment? Oh man, I would. Uh, I guess. Well, I was. I did win when the Phoenix was around. I, I believe it was 2012. I, I won best male vocalist. For, I think at the at the time was called uh, Loud Act, which oh, was okay. Conerco. Yeah, so was, yeah. I think it was either 2011 or 2012. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, so I got uh, I got recognition there. We got recognition there. Yeah. I think we ended up winning both categories, uh, Loud Act and Best Male Vocalist or something like that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I still have like my little gold record from the from the Phoenix. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. But you know, other than that. I would have to say, again, going my, it was, I, I think it would have to be playing for the troops and, and, and Kosovo going there. And, yeah. You know, that, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, again, it was quite rewarding too, you know, because those, they, I was talking to a couple of the soldiers and they had been away from their families for like, one was away from their family for like a couple of years. Just stationed there, I think it was. And I was like, man. I, I just can't imagine. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. So, so you know, just to make, you know see the joy in their faces. You know, yeah. music from home. That was uh, that was for me. That was rewarding. I was like, uh, this is great. So, yeah. Yeah, I would have to say probably yeah. That was that was the best you know, for me. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's great. You got to do that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Al. Appreciate oh, it. Thank you, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. This has been awesome.